right, welcome to Healing the City Podcast. My name is Eric, and I have no idea which episode this is in season one, but it's probably somewhere between 10 and 11 or 12. So since we're just doing these out of order and trying to get as many of them done, if you don't know what Healing the City Podcast is, it is a podcast out of the Village Church in Tucson, Arizona, where we are talking about things like race and ethnicity, uh, trauma, and just the stories of our community as we've walked into healing with Jesus. In particular today, I am with Jessica, and this is an ongoing podcast that she and I are doing. Um, For the time being, you'll hear from me with her, and my name is Eric, but she may be doing this by herself at some point, um, Eventually. eventually. We're talking about race and race. It's seven o'clock in the morning, morning. and here we are. It's early. (laughs) You are all. You're very bright and cheery for seven (laughs) in the morning. That's surprising. It is, being that you're a mom of a little. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, uh, he yeah he's he's just a very energetic. Yeah, he was uh, up at five thirty this morning, so I've had a head start. Yeah. So yeah, my alarm went off at five forty-five, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, (laughs) what am I doing in this world?" But anyway, we're talking about, in particular, well, there have been two podcasts so far Mm -hmm. on race and ethnicity, and a lot of that had to do with your story. Um, Yeah. And part of the reason this is a reoccurring podcast with you is that this is just something you think about. It's part of your education. It's part of your story. Mm-hmm. Um, the, and not everybody who's had your story in education actually cares or thinks as much about it as you do. Um, so part yeah. of this is just unique to you and important for yeah. us to, to dialogue about. And I think it's important for people to kind of wrestle with. So that's why we're doing it. And I think people probably don't understand this. And, may, and this is probably more my perspective is that I think part of healing is having this conversation about the way we experience one another and Mm -hmm. and in particular we experience one another based on our race and the way we where we were raised the location we were raised how that impacted it and in america in particular so yeah you have a lot on your mind (laughs) and a lot of things to think about and so i'm just gonna let you go for it and you can talk um and then i'll start (laughs) asking you questions um earlier before the podcast you, you were you were talking about Brownsville, where you grew up, mm-hmm. and, and then going to college and some of your experiences there. So I guess we could start at that point. Yeah, well, I was mentioning that I I was listening to your Faith Over Breakfast podcast. Yes. Here's the plug. There you go. <laughs> Listen to Faith Over Breakfast. And you all had an episode about, um, I guess it was a white privilege yes, episode. Yes, it was about a mis- missionary who had gone... Um, oh right! Is that the one we were listening to? Oh, had gone. Yeah. Oh kinda, man, we can talk about that. There's too. a lot going on. <laughs> on yes, yeah, so she she'd gone overseas and kind of yeah. There's just a lot of mess that she made. Would be yeah. a good short version of it. Yeah. Um, well, in that podcast, along with all the other things that we could talk about, you mentioned how the tendency for groups to find themselves and to find find each other and kind of create their own separate groups rather than you know being along with going along with the whole group um and i definitely think that was true i was i was mentioning that you know in the in the first podcast uh that i came and spoke i I talked about going to texas a&m university 
And I didn't mention, you know, what I did as a result of feeling this yeah. overwhelming sense of of otherness. Yeah, I I, can I? I don't mean to interrupt you, but just for some continuity in the in the in the podcast, there's one distinct story in your podcast that about the dorm room. Oh, I, do you remember that? Yeah. Do you think? Because I feel like that's linked. And when you say my experience at A and M, that kind of summarizes. It, or at least made it. It's one yeah. that I've used and talked to other people about and asked oh. them how they might feel about that if they were in that situation. That's cool. Um, and so... Yeah. Uh, do you want me to... Yeah, why don't you retell yeah. the, the dorm room experience? And the, I, I think it is a good summary because that... I mean, that was a very personal, small version of what I was going through in the larger context. Um, basically, it was freshman year. It was a few months in to being at being at college and I was in my dorm room and my roommate invited several girls into our room and they were all seated in a circle on her side of the room by then uh my roommate and I weren't doing very well in speaking terms we're not really on speaking terms so they were all on her side of the room and they were talking about I don't know a bunch of different things and then the conversation went into race and being racist and a lot of them started saying things like, well, I'm not racist, but, and then I don't fully remember all the things that they were saying and all the buts, I guess. Uh, but I specifically remember one girl who said, well, I'm not racist, um, but I don't like Mexicans uh, because they took my dad's job. And that was very much the rhetoric going on at the time. It was like 2000. Five and it was all about Mexicans that are taking people's jobs right. away and um, yeah and so what I what I said the first time we met was just how I didn't have the words back then I didn't know you know how to tell her how outrageous that was right. and how that made me feel right. and how unfair that was so I just I got my stuff and I walked out of the room it was awkward already I was already not invited to participate in this conversation of white girls um, in my own dorm room. And then it just kind of went into that conversation and you can see all the like side glances at me where they're like, Oh, are the, you're saying this and she's in here. So I just, I just left the room. Right. Which yeah. I, I think in, in the classes that I had in college, that would have been a classic example that we would have had to process through as a class that, I mean, that's almost perfect in the sense that you're in your own space and mm -hmm. so, and that space has been invaded. There's conflict between you and your roommate. So it, it's both a micro story of a, a macro experience. Mm -hmm. There's just so much going on in that story that I was, I've yeah. thought a lot about it and, wow. and what it illustrates. But anyway, continue. Yeah. So how so how that kind of led you further on into things? I mean, just yeah. And so basically, the whole first semester was just feeling like I needing to find a pl a safe space um, and not really you know, d dealing with the shock. And then I had several friends that went there. And so I, I hung out with them and they met other friends and we all just tended to find more Latinos. And there were a lot of kids from the Valley where I, where I was from. And so we all just tended to find each other. Um, so we, I started hanging out with them and then later, like uh, around December, so first semester is almost over and I'm in the computer lab. I already forgot what it's called, the computer lab. And I see this advertisement saying, would you, are you interested in being a 
leader for a Latino Christian ministry. And I just thought like, oh, that's really interesting because that would really combine, you know, how I feel about leadership and being involved in your community and, and um, yeah, sorry. Yeah, that would combine that with, you know, with my faith as well. Right. And so, you know, I mentioned um, being a part of this leadership organization before that taught me how to be a leader and the importance of being a leader, but I never could reconcile that with my faith. There was no right. space for that. And right. so when I saw that advertisement, that was just the perfect blend of the two. You know, this is where I can apply those skills and address the fact that I, I believe in God and I want to I want to lead for his kingdom and things like that. Um, so I, I met with the leaders and they told me they were really, really nice people. They were like... Um, it was part of Campus Crusade for Christ. So these were like 20, early 20-year-olds 20 who had just graduated college, who were on staff, right. um, who were looking for looking for Latino leaders. Right. And they had talked about like noticing that their meetings at Campus Crusade had just been, you know, very, very white, I guess. I'll just say that. That's fine. You can say that. <laughs> yeah. And so noticing that they're not doing a great job of recruiting other other groups of people into their organization. So their solution was to create this Latino Christian ministry. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. I had to take her picture in the middle of her story. Okay. Keep going. <laughs> uh, yeah. So their solution was to create this Latino Christian ministry. And initially, they, they I think they just wanted it to be a Bible study. So I don't think they realized what they were getting when they, when they recruited me. Oh, no. No. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and so I brought in a few friends, and, and they found a few other people, too. And so we all met up in January when we got when I got back for, um, from the break. And we had our first meeting, and it was just this, like, this Bible study. But what came along with that was this awesome discipleship with, uh, her name was Jessica, too. So um, she would meet with me weekly to, like, build me up and kind of teach me the... Right. The Campus Crusade the way. The Campus Crusade because way. I, I, I was in college campus ministry, and I was yeah. a leader. I know how that works. You, yeah. were, you were taught the way. The way, <laughs> Of yeah. Campus Crusade. Well, how to, how to talk about it. Yes. Which, yes. Um, you know, I'd been a Christian since I was 12, and so that it was just very different. What I did appreciate, though, was being taught about grace, because mm. that had never... You know, it was all like, if you, if you go to the island for spring break, you're going to hell. If you... Mm. If your parents are divorced, you're most likely going to hell. That kind of wow, <laughs> that kind That's of hardcore stuff. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, she introduced me to Grace. So there was some really good good things that came out of that. And so this Bible study started growing, and we were just the the group of us that got together were really enthusiastic about it. And so we wanted to put together events, and we wanted to do all kinds of things to to get more people uh, involved and what started happening was we needed, we didn't have funds or we didn't even know how many funds were allotted to us. Um, we needed meeting rooms, but as an organization, you're only allowed so much, so many meeting rooms. Um, so what needed to happen was we needed to become our own organization okay. separate from, separate from Campus Crusade for Christ. I should mention that this is called Destino. So Destino is the Latin Latino ministry of Campus Crusade for Christ. Okay. Um, and 
Yeah, so there was a lot. There was some pushback back there of like, why are you going to create something completely different? Right. Like, why are you separating from the group? Um, and I think the real is the reality was like, there's just not a space for us there. You know, it's it is very different. The music is different. Even the music that we wanted to play was different. And and so you there was a lot of talk about, well, should we should we change who we are and how uh, this this was i think the campus crusade group they were like saying should we change who we are to include more people or just allow them to be separate and so ultimately we had to we had to argue for why we should be a separate organization and so we finally got that charter we were able to be different like completely separate so we had our own funds our own rooms things like that um but when we initially started, we were still told, like, you are separate for paper and administrative purposes, but you are still a part of us. Um, and so, yeah. And so, so, yeah, years later, I realized how how strange that was. Uh, letting people, bringing people in and recruiting them and saying, you can only go this far and you can only do this much, rather than allowing them to say, no, this is what we need and this is what would work best for us. Right. Yeah. And so ultimately, I mean, at least while I was there, I think it's still an organization in at Texas A&M. Uh, but we grew from the original six people to, by the time I left, a, a, a close to 100 were involved. Wow. And it was, it was really great. And a lot of that was letting us run it the way we wanted to and it, it really created this sense of familia mm-hmm. that that's that was our big thing that you know this is your family at A&M you know you're, right. you're home away from home um, and it really felt like that for a while and, and eventually things started changing I think um, we got some new leadership from Campus Crusade, some new, I don't know what you call them, the staff members. Staff, yeah. Yeah, some new staff members who saw they need there there was change needed, and so they tried to bring bring in some elements of, you know, the larger Campus Crusade ministry, and so I, I, it started changing, and people didn't feel great about that, so we did lose some people to that, but... How did you feel about it? I wasn't the student director anymore by that time, Um but I did feel I felt the change. I felt the difference, and so was it was it just a difference, and they wanted some some values of Campus Crusade to kind of be cross platform, basically. Kind of. Uh, so I specifically remember we we wanted to have this event, and they wanted us specifically to do evangelism mm. there, which is in in that world it's just going up to random people right. and sharing the gospel right, right. and not building a relationship with them or anything like that and so um i know some people were really uncomfortable with that and feeling feeling obligated to do that because these are our leaders and they're telling us you know we need to be this certain way um so yeah it it was things like that like uh things that you don't really see or things that I had never really seen in in the Christian community before, and, and we were, you know, how you said there's like a Campus Crusade way. Yes, there is a yeah. Campus Crusade way. And so bringing that into this little familia feel, right? It just it changed a right. lot. So so yeah, so kind of dictating the values from the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. So you were saying, as you look back at that, um, you had mentioned before the podcast, things like not the, the larger institution not being willing to give you the money you needed to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, you were also saying, I, I don't, maybe you weren't, but you were making some observations about gathering one particular group of people together and why we do that. And I don't know if you had more yeah. thoughts on that. Or well, and you, you know, my husband, you've mentioned before that we think about this differently. And so we were dating while I was in college and he, he didn't like being a part of Destino. Okay. Um, and his thing was like, why do you need to separate? He didn't get that. He was coming from the military where everyone blends together no matter what. Um, and so just a very different context. And so I didn't see it before. I absolutely saw the need, um, because it wasn't just Destino. There was, um, Latino, uh, sororities and fraternities right. popping up right. and these Mexican American student organizations popping up. So there were all these, all these other leaders on campus that were creating their own separate entities because they also saw the need. Um, and like I said, there was just this influx of more students from, from places that hadn't been there before. Mm-hmm. So there was just this need to create the safer space. Uh, did that answer your question? Yeah, no, that made, yeah. made a lot of sense. Made a lot of sense. Um, so, when you think about this, I, I, uh, it's it's been interesting to be talking to you because it forces me to process things and think more about them. You know, because I don't think any of us, as we go along, you know, you're taking care of Beto and Brendan. You, you don't; these are not all the for on the forefront of your mind all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, depending on where you are in life, mm-hmm. and, and you know, and but so it's good to kind of process these things through. And and one of the things I was thinking is. Uh, you know, as you're doing that, I, I, I've started, I mean, I've realized and, and I, you know, my process and all of this is that part of being an American and being white, as you think back to your cultural story is that we talk a lot about the melting pot. We talk a lot about immigrants, but what it is, is that you can come to America and you can have a particular value system and you can, you know, a freedom and all these things, but you're asked like culture is devalued except for the main culture, like the main ethnicity and its cultural system. Now it's, it'll, it's, it'll take impact, but it says that you have to devalue your, your, um, your culture to be part of this bigger culture mm-hmm. and this bigger idea, which just turns out to be mostly white. Um, and, and so I think it's interesting that all of a sudden as I think affluence has has begun to push itself into the hispanic community and into the african-american community where they where there are people of voice that these groups start popping up and they create like a cognitive dissonance of like why why is there this latino group why is this african-american group here why you know Mm -hmm. because we're not saying well I, i don't have you know the uh the pierogi eating you know, Eastern Bloc group, like we're not, that's not, so why, you know, that's conversation starts happening or in, in, in a spiritual, you know, community, like you have Campus Crusade, the main group, mm-hmm. and then you have all these offshoot groups. Um, and that, that's hard for people. And so I think that was some of the question we were asking on the last podcast is why is that happening? Why do we do that? What, yeah. and, and so what I hear you saying is, well, partly we need like a sense of identity. Like there's a lot, like we feel like there's no identity 
like we're kind of almost erased. And so if you're asked to be part, like you said, one thing that struck me, like the music, music is a big cultural thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and so the, it, you're erased, your culture's erased and until you feel kind of like you're on a boat in a storm kind of. Yeah, you, you have to fit in. You're put in this place where you have to, you know, mute yourself so right. that you can make space for the, the larger group. And, for, and, and so you can succeed. Yeah. Quote, unquote. Yeah. And um, I didn't... Hmm. Yeah, I think that... Because I, I went to a few of the, the larger Campus Crusade meetings, and they were fine, you know? It, it was... It was good i think what i think what attracted people to us though to destino was that you know they could recognize they could recognize people and they could recognize themselves and others as well like they saw some similarities yeah um and we we led some bible studies in spanish as well and and i I, one girl this struck me because this was not my experience at all she she came to me after her first experience with Destino and she told me like, Jessica, I don't know if I'm going to continue with this because, you know, I've, I've been going to church on my life and it's always in Spanish. And to me, the gospel is in Spanish. So even saying the word gospel in English mm. is something I am not used to at all. And so I, and at the time we were doing everything in English in Destino. And so that really struck me because again, I, I didn't, you know, my whole experience was English. Right. And uh, so to to just know that even for that, like even language for some people is a barrier right. into coming into the larger group. Right. Yeah. And so like even words she said, like putting your faith in Christ, like she never said that in English before. Hmm. So, so she told me like, unless you all, when you all start doing Spanish Bible studies, that's when I'll join. But right now I don't, you know, I can't do this. Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, it was it was definitely an eye-opener, too, of like, okay, if we're going to serve this community, we need to be open to what this community actually needs and is, right. uh, which is very different things because a lot of us, even though we all look alike, you know, we all have brown skin or we're all from a certain part of Texas or whatever, that we don't all share the same experiences. No. You know, and I, I didn't grow up Catholic and a lot of – a lot of the people that joined did, yeah. you know, and so what does that mean too? And how do you approach talking about Catholicism in a Christian environment? Right. Yeah. So when you reflect on that and when you reflect on, if you just think about, you know, people who are now your age or your, you know, when you were in college and they're kind of experiencing all this, like, what do you think, what does the campus life need to look like? Like where do we need to go to, to really bring the gospel in a, in a really authentic way as just followers of Jesus and understanding our narratives and where they come from. And I mean, like, obviously there, it's not like there are some good things that happened there, yeah. but also it was, that was hard. And, and so I don't know, I, can you talk about where you think things should, what, what something should look like, yeah. where it should go? I think it was hard because we were navigating it for the first time right. um, and no one really knew what it should look like and people had ideas of what it should be and what they, in, in the staff's perspective, what they should allow. Um, and for us, for the students, it just meant coming to terms with 
with our own faith as well and what are the aspects of it that that are cultural mm. so as far as what the community needs to look like and be that i mean that's a that's a big question but i i, I do think when you personalize it and you take everyone as an individual and you approach them as an individual then you're more likely to to reach them and build a relationship with them and i don't want to say reach them for Christ specifically, like if you're yeah. going to them with that specific intent, then that's different. But just kind of seeing everyone is unique. Right. Like like we've been talking about too, like when you know someone's story, you're less likely to to judge them or, or to mis right. misrepresent them. Or to yeah, to give them more space to be mm-hmm. You've been listening to Healing the City podcast with Eric Steepen. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.